The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Oh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. And training camp is here, ladies and gentlemen. It's back. We are excited to finally have football with us again. The pads came on at Colts practice today in training camp, their first padded practice. Again, they can only have, I believe it's 16 padded practices can't have no more than three in a row but other than that we're gonna get into training camp stuff here in a little bit but first welcome to the blue stable podcast ladies and gentlemen i am your host as always michael pivia if you want to help the blue stable grow make sure you comment like subscribe this podcast show Make sure you do that on YouTube. Do it everywhere you possibly can. Can We greatly, greatly appreciate all of the support that you guys give us. And we actually have a special announcement for you guys here real quick before we get to some spicy news here. We are going to do a jersey giveaway. A jersey giveaway of your choice, whichever player you want. But there's a catch. You have to get us to 1K subscribers. If you look at the count right now where we're at, we're only maybe what, maybe 290 away or so. We need your help to get us there, okay? Get us there. We are going to do a jersey giveaway once we hit 1,000 re- subscribers. Sorry, goodness gracious, long days at work get you tongue-tied. But again, subscribe, get us to 1K. We are going to do a special jersey giveaway just for you guys as well. The quicker you do it, the quicker that jersey is going to get to one of you lucky winners. Now, sorry for shouting in your ear there, but Destin, Rashad, back on the show. Shout out to Stephen Reed, who filled in for you guys in last week's show. If y'all haven't been able to catch that episode, maybe you check it, make sure you check it out on the YouTube. But uh, real quick, Rashad, money bags. I, uh, I hear, you know, there's rumors from uh, via your Twitter. We're going to get to that here in a little bit, man. But first off, how are you doing, man? I'm pretty good, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be back. Uh, Shout out to Steven for filling in. I got a chance to talk to him earlier about some stuff, uh, football aside. A great guy. I appreciate him for filling in. And man, I missed this show, man. I missed the show last week. I missed the people. And I I got a chance to get reacquainted with the people with something that happened earlier today. Destin, back on the show again. How have you guys been? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. My, my son, uh, he's nine months as of two days ago, which is wild. Wow. Um, I mean, that's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. just nuts. Like, um, but it's dope, man. Fatherhood's dope. Summer's coming to an end. The weather's starting to get a little better. Um, got the privilege of being out at Colts camp as a credentialed media member this past weekend on a perfect night for the night practice met a bunch of cool people got to talk football with Ian Rappaport got to talk football with Albert Breer it's been a good football week man a lot of football conversations a lot of just talking miss the show though miss you guys 
Yeah, Destin Adams, he was able to get down there at training camp along with our photographer, Luke Verkamp, owner of Verkamp Designs, right? We rock with Verkamp Designs over here. Uh, but before we get into all that, guys, first off, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BSTABLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BSTABLE20 at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys. Get on board or get left behind. Now... Rashad, let's get to the meat and potatoes of the situation, brother. First off, we already know after you got done buying your third helicopter and, you know, buying out Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, you got some news about a particular wide receiver. It's been a hot topic for the last couple of weeks, especially when we got back to training camp. Uh, if you haven't already seen his suite, make sure you go see it uh, on his via his Twitter. His link to his Twitter is down in the description below. Rashad, give us the news, man. Uh, so, so, uh, regarding Mr. Odell Beckham Jr., the floor is yours. I, I would first like to start off by saying um, I always, uh, me and Destin, shared the sentiment that uh, we always thought it would be in the coach's best interest for them to bring a wide receiver in. We always thought they would. And, and I know Mike was on that wave for a while, and then Mike maybe like last week, it was real recently when Mike was like, well, you know, he's just content now with, with the young guys, and he was like, whatever about it, but all us, for the most part, pretty much consistently stuck with the fact that the coach needed some experience in in his room. You know, uh, I told the guys earlier um, about when Chris Ballard said last uh, March, I believe, February, that he, he shouldn't rely. It would be irresponsible for him to rely on Paris Campbell to be a two or uh, three coming into the season. And, and I totally agree with him. It's not like the talent isn't there. We just know that with the injury history, it's not something that we should rely on. So with that being said, um, I was at work today, you know, doing my nine to five for the people that know, if you know, you know. And um, I got a text message. I got a text message from, uh, my first text message I received was from an agent, from an agent who who's extremely, extremely close to the situation. And he told me things are heating up on the Odell front. I immediately texted him back and I said, Odell to who? Because I immediately thought he was talking about Odell returning to the Rams. I've seen several interviews with McVay recently saying that he can't wait. Well, he wants to see when they're going to be able to get Odell back and everything. So I pretty much considered it a foregone conclusion. Although almost a week ago, me and Destiny had a conversation that I let him elaborate on um, about what we heard initially. But I guess we kind of shrugged it off, you know, and till this moment today when I got that text message. And this guy I know is close to the situation. Like it's, it's pretty much as close as you can be to that situation. And he said, is he up? Things are, are, are getting serious. There's serious strides being made. And it's only a couple of things that's keeping it from going down. I won't speak on what those things are, but I'm sure it's still being negotiated and it's still being worked out. And so once I got that text message, uh, typically what I do is I go text other people or call other people and, and get it confirmed. But the situation was so tight lipped, nobody really, really had information on it, I'm assuming, because they wasn't getting back to me. So it just so happens Dustin happened to reach out to me. And I'll let him take the floor from there and he can let you know what he was experiencing on his side and, and how we got to where we got to right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I can take it over a little bit from the cult side of things. Um, I really have zero sources, I guess would be the word, um, on the Odell side of things. It's kind of what makes it cool that me and Rashad were able to kind of tag team um, this aspect of it. So about a week ago, just going back to that, um, I messaged Rashad and a little bit even earlier during the whole Julio to the Colts um, situation where that was blowing up on Twitter because I kept reaching out to a couple of team sources with the Colts and I could never get anything. I'm not saying positive things. I'm not saying negative things. I couldn't get a thing about Julio and the Colts. Um, to me, that usually means that there's just no conversations happening. Um, that, that's just the assumption I had. Um, and the guy that I kept getting told during that entire situation was that of all the free agents on the market, if the team could pick any of them, it's, it's Odell Beckham. Um, Odell Beckham is the guy that the team looks at on the market, sees that as an upgrade, a vet that would add to the room talent-wise as well as leadership-wise. Now, 
the reason that that just not came out from came out from when we've heard it is because even though the team wanted him and that's who the team wants and all these things, it just everything in us kept saying, well, he's going to end up back with the Rams. So it doesn't matter. So why put that out there just to get people's hopes up, right? This weekend, things got a little weird where I was getting messages a little bit more about those rumors um, that Odell is willing to talk to other teams and all this other stuff. And then Rashad decides, you know, to break Twitter today and share that information. So what do I do the moment I see Rashad's tweet? I call my team source. And he gets back with me pretty immediately calling me back and was just sharing a sentiment that they, it feels as real as it's been, that he was going to talk to some other people inside the team and get back to me, but they feel like they have a chance. And that was the first time he's ever said that to me. We get off the phone. I get back on the phone with Rashad. Not even 10 minutes after me and Rashad get off the phone this time, I get the call back. And he's saying that this, there's real interest, real interest on both sides, mutual interest. I don't know if we tweeted that out earlier technically, but here it is. I mean, the Colts and Odell Beckham have mutual interest. Um, are there a couple hurdles that are going to have to get done um, for that to be the deal and be done? Yes. But we can for sure report from multiple sources confirming it now across the league and with the Colts directly that there is mutual interest between Odell Beckham and the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. That sounds newsy enough for me, everybody. Uh, do you want to see Odell Beckham Jr. in the Indianapolis Colts jersey? Let us know in the comment section below. And, man, I, I, I will say when it comes to all that, I mean, I kind of still am for the young guys only because, I mean, you had all this time to bring in a wide receiver. I mean, at this point, you got to camp already. Just give the reps to the young guys. Hell, you drafted them. Put them out there. Get, let, let them to play. Uh, but we'll talk more about the wide receivers here in a little bit. But other than at least, that. At they, least with this situation, you get you get the best of both worlds. The young guys still get to get the reps for right now while Odell is rehabbing. And they get to play early on so you can see what you got, too, before Odell even comes back. And right? the Colts' schedule right. is kind of set up to where if we had to miss guys early on, it's not the end of the world. I mean, that's yeah. what I keep saying every time someone's reached out about like Darius Leonard or things like that. I don't think this is going to affect him missing games currently from what I've heard. But if mm -hmm. he were to miss a game or two in the beginning, the way the schedule is set up, you should win those games regardless. Yeah. So for the Odell, Odell Beckham front, I mean, I mean, first of all, for me, I say do it. Um, I think Odell showed with the Rams last year how talented he still is, and that he can play a role very similar here. You could use him in that slot role, get him, get him those catches out, let him do the rest of himself. Matt Ryan does well with those kind of targets. I mean, Calvin Ridley was looking like an all-pro at times um, before some of the stuff that went down there. So. I think Odell, Bell, Odell Beckham makes a ton of sense, especially for a team that believes they have goals that aren't that don't end in December. They have goals in January. They have goals in February even. So if that's the case, I don't see the problem with Odell Beckham. And I know we're going to get some shots back about, well, if you're going to go a vet route and Odell can't play early, just go T.Y. But the honest truth is, if you asked me, who ends the year better statistically? Odell Beckham in his minimal games after he comes back from injury or T.Y. Hilton in a full season? I, I'm, I'm going to say Odell Beckham in the minimal games. I'm just going to be honest. I, I just don't see much upside in the T.Y. Hilton front. T.Y. Hilton offers so much nostalgic reasons. He's a, he, the guys there know him, obviously. I'm not saying there are no pros to bringing back T.Y. Hilton. That's not what I'm saying. But on field, I don't see any upside. And at this point, and Rashad said it on Twitter a few times best, if, if T.Y. was going to be back, wouldn't he be here already? It's literally nothing holding it up. Same thing with the Julio thing. Uh, like you said, you know, everybody kept pointing to the Matt Ryan thing. Don't you think Matt Ryan would have been asked the coach to bring Julio in if that was what he wanted? It was just too easy of common sense of a move to make for it to 
linger that long and not happen. So that's why I just pretty much think that's over with. I mean, I could be wrong. And maybe maybe Ballard is saying he's in the mix until, you know, he feels like he misses out on some guys that he wants and then maybe decides to bring T.Y. back. I mean, I'm sure that's an option. You know, it's not a, a option that everybody wants to hear. It's not sexy, but that that's certainly could be a possibility. See, on the Julio front, I, I, I'm i not entirely sure if you guys heard have heard the same thing, but I know if I ever just asked around to the couple of people that I know, I I received the sentiment that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are not necessarily as close as we may have thought that they were as the lethal combo that you would might have expected. So who, who knows? I was certainly shocked when I heard that. So maybe there was a reason why Matt Ryan was not going and asking for Julio Jones. And obviously he went to Tampa Bay. What was it last week or so? Maybe not even a week, uh, but it was happening. I think the, I think the day camp. after, I think yeah. the day after all the Julio mm-hmm. to Indy chatter decided right. to go crazy on Twitter. But, but I mean, I'm being dead serious. I, Every time I reached about a, out about Julio Jones, and I did it multiple times because this this story would not go away. Same. Just once every like two to three weeks, somehow, some way, it would trend on Twitter and Indy. So I would reach out every single time, and every single time they had no info to share. They couldn't say they didn't want Julio. They couldn't say that um, Julio hated Matt Ryan. They couldn't say Matt Ryan hated Julio. They couldn't right. say they loved each other. They literally, every single time, they said there's just been no talk about Julio Jones in the building, which is why every single time it was reported, I had nothing to say. I think the last time <laughs> it was the last time it was a huge story, I quote tweeted basically sharing again what I've said the entire offseason, what Rashad has reiterated as well, that I keep getting told the Colts want to add a receiver. I know Ballard has said all these things in his pressers. I know other guys have reported other things. But every time I've asked, they want to add a receiver. They want to Jarvis Landry early on in free agency was a guy after they got Matt Ryan. I thought they'd go after. And ever since Jarvis went to the saints, the guy, every time I reach out about any other receiver on the market that I've been told about is Odell Beckham. I just don't think they thought it was a realistic option until this weekend. It, it reminds me of the Baker Mayfield situation. You know how people kept tweeting us and we kept standing firm on that Baker Mayfield was not talking to the coast, the coast were not considering him and people fought us for it. And, just said it made sense. Until- well, hey, 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 hey. It was a done deal at one point. <laughs> chill. Chill. Marcus, edit. But, um, yeah, <laughs> we it, we stood firm on that, and, and we stood firm on the Julio things, and that was two things that grew legs that we never co-signed, and it never happened. You know, uh, me and Destin, uh, we laughed about it today. We don't know the same sources. We don't talk to the same people, but we are always uh, pretty much aligned with the things we hear when we get on these phone calls. And it's kind of funny, you know, and uh, shout out to Jason. Jason is the same way. I, I, I don't talk to Jason directly as far as source to source talk, but I know Destin does. And, and they typically are on the same page as far as things they hear as well. So shout out to Jason, Jason Spears. Uh, y'all make sure y'all check out his his podcast, his Twitter handle is for the culture. Jay, I believe y'all, y'all check him out. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Really plugged in. Um, and shout out to him, man. He work his ass. So. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for the, Oh, on the Odell front. Maybe we'll talk about that here in a little bit, uh, again, but right now we got to get to a training camp. This is a more, Oh, maybe not a more pressing need, but we get, there's a lot of stuff that we have to talk about when it comes to training camp. And again, and again, um, we're going to get be getting Dustin's analysis here uh, about this because he was on site. He was on uh, present on the field watching everything Saturday, Saturday night, the only night practice uh, for the Colts this training camp year. So Dustin, um, real, real quick, man, of course, you're going to be up. We're going to be talking about some position groups, but also we're going to be, each of us are going to be giving uh position uh, predictions. For this year, it could be anything uh, just for the readers. The the prediction could be anything. It could be for training camp. It could be for cut down uh, statistics, whatever the case may be. It could be anything. So, Destin, real quick, we keep hearing about training camp and how the energy, the the feel of it, it's different and everything. You were there in person. Are, are those are those reports correct? Yeah, I mean, it was a great night. 
I mean, the night practice is always a great environment. Um, I've always kind of said that. I've always reiterated that the the night practice just always brings out the best of Colts training camp, at least attendance wise. Um, it was really cool this year because the national media came out. So we saw some NFL network um, people out there um, covering because the NFL network was actually playing the Colts practice live. Um, the weather was as good as we were going to get. It heats up this week. Why it got into this mid seventies, slight breeze. It honestly felt like, like Friday night light weather. Like it felt like high school football nighttime weather for this night practice. It was great. Um, so first of all, like that added to the environment. And also the crowd was just rowdy. They were fun. They were reacting to everything. I mean, it was as good of a night as we were going to get for the night practice. Another thing that, that has been, you know, been asked lately is about Matt Ryan and his leadership, his tendency to get the team going. It's a much faster practice in terms of just your preparation, what you have to do to get ready for practice when you're practicing, post-practice, whatever the case may be. And these reports that are coming out, Matt Ryan, his leadership, even Nick Foles, his leadership and what he's given to the second team on uh, scout, the second team, the offensive line, the wide receivers, how he's testing the corners as well. From what you saw on Saturday, again, how would you say this, this will help the Colts coming into this season, especially with this new leadership, not only in your starter, but a second string who has been a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about the Foles aspect of it first, um, just because it's a little shorter. Um, I think the big thing with the Foles addition is just having a reliable leader and player in the second unit. I mean, last year at this time, we were watching Carson Wentz until he got hurt at the first team. And then we were watching Sam Ellinger slash Jacob Eason with the second team. And then when he got hurt, that was just all we were seeing in practice. So it's just a very different vibe. I mean, there, there is not as much sloppiness on offense. And I heard today was a little bit of a rough practice. I heard they had to run some suicides today. Um, but on Saturday out there, I mean, Foles just shows that he is as advertised. I think he is going to be a great backup. I think he's going to be able to be a backup for multiple years if he wants to stretch this out even. I think he's smart. I think he knows the playbook already well because of playing with Frank before. And I think he just has the talent necessary to be that backup to a Matt Ryan type right now. But then going to Matt Ryan, I mean, Matt Ryan reminds me of the fieriness that like Peyton Manning had as a leader. When when we're switching personnels with the ones and Matt Ryan is on these guys to get to the line of scrimmage, you hear him screaming, you hear him cursing. I mean, this isn't Philip Rivers screaming. No, this, this, this reminds me of the Peyton years of him just being <laughs> on guys and making sure they get to where they got to go. Just, it's just a very different vibe than last year. It really is. I mean, I, I know, the griping on Carson Wentz gets old for a lot of people, but you can just tell by the move they decided to make to get Matt Ryan and just seeing it already. And all these guys are talking so highly of him. And I understand that it's their teammate, but these guys are going out of their way to share how intense of a leader Matt Ryan has been. I, I really think Matt Ryan is just a 180 leadership wise to what the Colts had at the position this past year. And I think that's the perfect, the perfect quarterback. And all along, we've been saying that he could be the perfect quarterback for them, especially during this trade season and all the quarterback dominoes fell, the Trubisky's, Wilson's, and all that stuff. Matt Ryan is the kind of quarterback that I think the Colts need after those mental lapses they had. And again, we, we tend to blame one guy. That guy is not here, but that was one of like 15 to 20 guys that were screwing up in those last two games of the year. So to get a vet like Matt Ryan, who's not here to play games anymore. He wants a championship. It's business time. There is no playing around. There is no, let's walk up to the line or anything. Get fucking set. That's what it needs to be. That's what the mindset needs to be. And I actually, I love it, man. I love it. I love that type of 
mentality being put into this offensive line who's been together for a while, who's getting it's getting put into Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce. I mean, to go from Desmond Ritter to Matt Ryan, that is a huge, huge difference that I actually love for the quarterback or for the wide receiver aspect and for uh, growing these young guys. Rashad, I want to get your opinion on this, man. You've been hearing the same stuff that we all have. How much of an impact do you think Matt Ryan is going to have, not just on the wide receivers, because obviously those two go hand in hand, but for as the whole team in general and see how they just follow him, his intensity and his approach to the game? Yeah, I mean, you know, the first thing people say is, is Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than what we had last year, which is true. But what I think is more important is, is how different Matt Ryan is than the quarterback we had last year, you know, in the way he wins. He, he thinks out the game. You know, I, I got a, a shameless plug. I have a state of the coach address coming, um, article coming. It, it's completed. It should be out sometime this week. And, and that's what I dove into in the quarterback section. I was discussing, you know, just how talented Matt Ryan is, you know, with his accuracy, the way he thinks out the game. But I think his, his most impressive attribute is his processing. You know, the way he's able to get the ball out of his hands quickly, you know, it's a three-step drop. Once he hits that back foot, the ball is coming out, you know. And you see the same thing with Nick Foles. I actually saw a side-by-side of both of them at training camp going through progressions, and it looked so similar, it, it was scary. And the thing I think that nobody, I see nobody talking about is we know how Frank felt about Carson. You know, it was almost like his his third, his real son, you know, like his, his um, not birth son, but whatever you want to call it. And Nobody talks about how much Frank trusts Matt Ryan to give him the keys, to let him run training camp, to let him play at his tempo. And Matt Ryan is pushing those guys almost at a game pace. I, I love the fact that they switched the practices to noon for the most part, aside from the Saturday practice. They, they moved it almost to game time. They're moving at game speed with this tempo. And I think that's more important to getting off to a great start in the beginning of the season. You know, you kind of want to get your body accustomed to playing at a certain time. And, and it seems like those are different little nuances that Matt Ryan is adding to this team. That's not necessarily something you'll see in the box score. I think that's where Matt will be more effective. He's going to complete a higher percentage passes. And yeah, maybe it's more four, five yard dump offs, but after seeing what we've seen last year, you'll never find a fan base that's more appreciative of check downs and five-yard out routes and, and little slants and drags more than us because we just didn't get those last year. And, and that was what Phillip was great at. And that's why we see so many parallels and similarities between Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan. I just think Matt Ryan has a higher ceiling than Phillip has because his arm is a still a bit more livelier than Phillip's was when he was here. I'm actually so... glad that... So is Lucas so is Lucas Oil gonna just like erupt when Matt Ryan throws his first check down week three against the Chiefs? Oh wow, week should. three? Everybody should. I mean that's the first oh, yeah, that's the first that's, home that game. Is the first home game. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That's so like crazy. just imagine though, like Matt Ryan drops back and it hits Hines underneath after the pocket collapses. It could be just for like a three yard game. But Lucas Oil is going to lose their mind like they just won the Super Bowl. We need to get hashtag check down trending that day. That's what we need to do. You're right. That's actually a good idea. See, I love that the, the aspect that you brought up, Rashad, because that's one thing that we haven't truly discussed on the show yet is the adjustment to training camp this year. Obviously, they took the two days and then took a day off before they went to the Saturday night practice. And obviously... You know, they do their studies and everything about, you know, sports science and injury prevention and all that stuff. But changing the times to noon when it's getting a little bit more hotter than it would be at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. That's smart, because if you look at their first four of the three out of the first four games, you're going to be on the road in the heat. Now, week one against Houston, I would assume the Texans would open up the roof, create a competitive advantage at some point because they're practicing in the Texas heat. Indianapolis isn't. So create a uh, com competitive advantage, open the roof. I would expect that. And then you go on the road to Jacksonville, humid as hell. And then you go to Tennessee. I would, uh, I, I just love that aspect 
of what the Colts did to adjust this training camp. And I, I love it. Good preparation on their part. Now with the wide receivers, Destin, talk to us again. For the wide receivers, you know, we we know Michael Pittman is big daddy. We know that, okay? We know he's going to be great. We know he's going to the All-Pro. We get that already, okay? But let's talk about the other guys, okay? Paris Campbell, first off, how is he looking? Yeah, I mean, just, just to start with Pittman a little bit, I mean, like you said, I mean, he, Pittman is Pittman. Um, you, he's already been out there. He mossed Gilmore um, one and a half times. One time he went up and over Gilmore and took the ball. Um, the other, Gilmore was kind of like on his side and it was being called a moss, but I don't know if I'd call it a moss. But uh, Pitt, Pittman's doing his thing out there. But the big thing is for the big names, training camp isn't as important. Um, those guys aren't running at 110%. Those guys aren't going all out trying to prove anything. Pittman knows what, what role he's going to have. Um, going to Paris, I mean, Paris looks really impressive. I know this is a training camp staple um, that Paris looks impressive. So everyone's going to be blowing up the comments, like let us see him do it during the regular season. But when he's impressive in training camp and I'm at training camp to watch training camp, I'm going to share insight on what I see. And Paris Campbell looks impressive, man. He is making separation at an elite rate. Um, there were a couple reps where he just embarrassed guys on cutbacks and the slant routes. And I don't know what it is, man, but you just see this like connection between Matt Ryan and Paris in training camp that is just super crazy to watch. Like you just can't take your eyes off it. And the, a lot of the things you keep hearing guys talk about and shameless plug um, into Michael Pittman's presser that was right after post-practice, um, check it out on the Blue Stable YouTube channel below if you want. But uh, he, he talks a little bit about how adjusting to Matt Ryan is knowing that you have to find his spot. He's throwing to a spot and he's that accurate that he's going to hit that spot. So you have to get to that spot. And watching Paris Campbell, man, it just seems like he has adjusted the fastest to that mantra that Matt Ryan has. Now, the big thing will be, can he stay healthy? Can he do it in the regular season? But right now, he looks impressive, man. What, what, what about our guy, wide receiver three, Ashton Doolin? How is he looking? You know, is he getting better in his releases, in his routes? Is he, you know, off the line of scrimmage faster? How is he looking? Because I know... He's a guy that you were that you were, you know, first on you. You liked him. You liked his potential. I obviously started off hating him and everything, but I've come around. Uh, how does he look so far? How, how does he look like he's improved? I don't know if I'd say I'm, I was first on him. Um, I did value his special teams ability for sure. Um, I mean, I think Doolin's looked impressive in his own light. I think he's clear in a way the fourth best receiver on the field right now. Um, when you look at him, I think there's a clear cut. Um, that Pittman's the one Paris and Pitt and Pierce are the two and three in whatever order you want to put them in, depending on the day, probably. I think Doolin is alone at four. And then you have a bunch of guys battling for that five and six spot if they end up keeping six receivers. Um, so I think Doolin has done enough in this training camp already to show that he has that higher upside ability at the receiver spot than, uh, for example, uh, Zach Pascal from last season. I think he has a lot of the same skill sets in the form of he's a good run blocker. He's going to be able to play special teams still, but he's a better route runner than Pascal was in my opinion. And he just has that extra boost in the speed department that is going to play. I mean, of anything speed's going to play. We're going to have plenty of wide receiver talk this for, for the next few weeks, guys, trust me on that. Before oh, we wrap the I wide receivers up, we got to talk about Alec Pierce real quick. He had a remarkable catch. Talk to us about that. How has he looked? Because he's been playing against Stephon Gilmore. It's been reported they're putting him on Alec Pierce, getting the early rookie some real tough competition, you know, beating Isaiah Rogers. Talk to us what Alec Pierce has looked like. I'm going to use the word fast because up close, Alec Pierce is so much faster than he looks on tape. I think he tested out faster than he looks on tape at times, to be honest. But that second step that Alec Pierce has is going to be able to play immediately. Um, like that's my immediate feedback about Pierce. I think there's some things that are going to have to get cleaned up. He's going to have to get a little bit more of an expansive route tree. I think that's what Reggie's probably working on him with because he's a little raw in some aspects. But the speed can play day one. I mean, I said it about other guys. I just said it about Doolin. I said it about Paris. But there was a rep where he's lined up against Isaiah Rogers. They did post it, um, so you saw it. 
and he get, he does the one little step inside and that second step burst to the out. And Isaiah Rogers ain't slow, guys. I mean, we know this. I mean, I, Isaiah Rogers was – he was the year the combine wasn't happening, so it was one of those unofficial pro days. But he, he got timed in at like a 4-2-4 or a 4-2-5. So it's a pro day. So he's probably about like a 4-2-8, high 4-2 guy, low 4-3, so fast. And Alec Pierce didn't just beat him. Like, he beat him, beat him. Just off that second step, just took off and just had a ton of separation. Rodgers makes up some ground on the throw, but Isaiah, but Pierce goes up, high points the ball well, one of his strengths that he had in college, and makes the grab. But watching that up close and personal, 10 feet in front of me, watching at the line of scrimmage, like that's the play that I saw at training camp on Saturday where I was like, this kid can be special. There's some things that are going to have to get coached into him, and I think Reggie, you just see it at camp. Reggie is taking a – special liking to Alec man like of all the receivers you're seeing him around he's around Alec the most after a rep before they were even running one-on-ones before they were running the receiver drills like Reggie is with Alec out there and they're they're laughing they're smiling I, I think Reggie sees a little bit of himself in just the skill set and the the size but he's so much faster than Reggie was so I'm just really curious to see how he develops but that one rep alone just told me that Alec Pierce can play um, day one if needed I'm just curious of what that role looks like Rashad one prediction you had to put on this wide receiver room whatever prediction you wanted to do what would that be uh there is a wide receiver that will make this roster that isn't on this roster yet Okay. I wonder who he's talking uh, about. <laughs> yeah. Um, mine is just going to be ultra quick, quick, and I swear to Jesus I made this last night. I said the Colts are signing either T.Y. or Odell Beckham. So I oh, didn't. Uh, hey guys, I didn't, we're being so bold. I didn't. We're being so, we're being so I didn't bold jailbreak here, your. I didn't jailbreak your phone, Rashad. I, I think, didn't I creep into did. your messages or anything. Destin, real quick, what's yours? Uh, I'll be a little bit more bold. Uh, I think the Colts will have, outside of Michael Pittman, the Colts will have two other receivers that go for over 400 yards this season. After none did it last year. Wow. Okay. Well, that that is bold. That is bold. You know, you gotta you gotta yeah, do something that you didn't do the year prior. So that is wait surprising. wait 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 wait. Are those two receivers on the roster right now? Oh, I'm not answering anything Jesus. else. I'm okay. not answering anything. Hey, that else. was his. That was his okay. prediction. Let's let's okay. leave that to him. Okay. Okay. Not very bold. <laughs> not very bold. I swear. I, we should have double checked with each other about these big predictions. I know, right? That's the uh, the pass rushers. That is going to be another key element to training camp because obviously you got Pay, you got Yannick and Gakwe. You know those are going to be your two featured pass rushers. But behind them is where we need to figure out uh, where the production is going to come from because Taekwon Lewis obviously is coming back from a uh, serious injury. Ben Banigou has, you know, he, he's had a inconsistent roller coaster, most of it not really on him. But now he's being put in a position to where he's going to be competing for that spot behind Yannick Ngakwe. And it's not just him. It's going to be Afadi Odangbo. Hell, Dio Odangbo could even switch outside if he wanted to in sub-packages. Now, they the Colts did release Brian Cox Jr., so that guy is out. That's actually uh, one guy that won't be on the, on the roster. But in terms of the depth, pass rushers, you know, specifically, not pay, not, not Ngakwe, we know who they are. What, what, what is your sentiment that you got on Saturday night from these pass rushers? Yeah, I mean, I, I put it in my takeaway uh, thread that I put out, but Yannick, man, was just the most dominant of any defensive lineman out there um, on Saturday. So I wanted to start with him no matter what. Uh, we can go into the secondary guys like you wanted to as well, but um, I just felt the need that it has to be said that Yannick looked like the most dominant guy out of the defensive line on Saturday. I've said it once and I, I just it needed to be said again because he was that good. Um, looking into the second string of it, it looks like Ben Banigou and Taekwon Lewis are going to be those two guys. Um, I think the goal of it would be that um, Banigou is going to be the reserve for Yannick 
and Taekwon Lewis is going to be behind Quiddy Pay. Um, that's probably the route they're going to go with it. Dio, for the most part, looks like he's going to stay inside early on. I'm assuming um, if Buckner needs to get a breather or if maybe they want to go the route um, on obvious pass downs where Grover gets taken off the field and they run Buckner and Dio maybe. Um, they, they have some flexibility and options to run with it. But, I mean, currently it doesn't look like too many surprises are going to happen so far through training camp. I mean, pads just got put on today. A lot of things are going to change. Um, but as of right now, I'd say that Taekwon Lewis and Ben Banigou have earned those backup spots in, in camp. I mean, Ben Banigou had a few routes, reps where he, he bested the rookie um, Ryman a couple of times, um, a few spin moves, nice play inside. Um, ben has looked good in camp. But again, like Paris, training camp is, is another staple is that Ben Banigou impresses in training camp. It, it's all about when they get into the game, if they're able to do it. But, I mean, Ben has looked impressive so far. Um, I also have to just shout out um, whoever it was in the national media today that threw out the hypothetical trade of trading Ben Banigou to Chicago uh, for Trevin Jenkins because that was the funniest stuff I saw all day. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know who got that idea from, but, no, that, that's well, not going to happen. I, you got you to gotta give him credit. Not most people know that uh, – Coach Fluce uh, wasn't a wasn't a Ben fan, and that Ben's not a Fluce fan. Hey, I mean, water under the bridge, you know. Uh, but I, I gotta say, Rashad, don't don't you think it's it, it's weird when it comes to Ben in Paris? Oh, it's training camp. You gotta let loose a little bit. But oh, so and so did not lose a rep at all. Oh, he is starting week seven, week four, week. Whoa, 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 whoa. One, but, but we I literally just said that ben, that ben had impressive reps against Ryman in camp. But I mean, so for those of you that but, aren't but listening it was in our group text, camp. for those of you that aren't that aren't in our group text, obviously, so anyone else, um, <laughs> I <laughs> I have mentioned that I think Ryman's looked impressive in camp. Um, we, were, we weren't going to talk about offensive linemen, but Mike had to bring it up a little bit. Um, but yeah. I think the thing with Ben in Paris and why it has to be said is just because it's going to be said in the comments on this video. If you just highlight Ben, highlight Paris, and it is a every year staple. They're still impressing this year in the new defense, and they look like guys that can produce for this team. But they have they've they've shown that before. So, so you fooled me once or twice, shame on me, and I'm willing to be shame on me again because I'm saying it again. They both look impressive so far. So real quick, since we brought it up, we we can spend like three three minutes on this Ryman specifically how how has he looked since we brought it up the fans are probably wondering no keep going keep going keep going how ha how has he looked because you said he looked he looks impressive you you saw many reps that he didn't lose that is a good sign for a rookie a, a third round rookie who is still relatively new to the position uh how how fast do you think his, his development through this training camp is is going to go yeah, I mean, I think he looked very technically sound. That was his. That was his up. That was his positives in the draft process. Um, is he's a guy who just really has it down technique wise. Um, I think the big thing for him and with with pads getting put on today um, and throughout this week, we'll see it a, a few more times. It'll just be if that game speed can respond to these faster edge rushers a little bit. Um, I think where I think he could play well early on. Um, is I think he could be a better pass blocker than, say, like a Matt Pryor early on. But I'm curious against the heavy pushback um, defenders if he can hold his own center mass-wise right away. So we'll, we'll see a little bit of that with the pads get put on this week. Um, will he start week one? I'm just not sure they feel that that would be best for him or us right away, so I'm just not sure. Um, but all I can say so far is – Yannick has looked really, really impressive, and the guy he's up against just happens to be currently getting the first team left tackle reps, and is a tackle out of out of good old TCU. It's all. <laughs> hey, Yannick Ngakwe is really good. But speaking of the pass rush, rushers, Rashad, one prediction that you had to give this pass rushing uh, team, and you know, let's go ahead. Let, let's just do the room in general. Oh. Ben Banagoo has five sacks this season. Are you doing that for me or did you, are you doing that for legit your, your prediction? 
I legit feel like that the 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 coaching switch is gonna rejuvenate him, and, and I feel like he will benefit from being in a role that's specifically catered to his skill set. You know, his athletic ability. Ben Banigo, I don't know. A lot of people may not remember, but he was an athletic freak coming out of college, and I think he has the chance to tie all of that potential in to this specific role. And I think as a situational rotational pass rusher, he can be unlocked if he's allowed to be. Man, a DC that knows how to utilize their talent. Godly, I love it here. Uh, my prediction is going to be for the depth, guys. Ben Bandigu and Taekwon Lewis together are going to combine for 10 sacks together. Ben Bandigu and Taekwon Lewis. I want to, it is a little bit bold going with those two there, but I do hope we can get a little bit from those two guys because technically we'll need it. Destin, where are you going? Um, That was bold. I'll say that. Uh, Mike, I, I respect it, but that was bold. I'm curious of what you think our total sack number will be. Got to be in the 40s. Oh, say that's got to be high. Yeah, got to be in the 40s. Um, I'm gonna say that Dio is gonna out snap both uh, reserve edge rushers. So currently Ben and Taekwon Lewis. So I'm gonna say of the reserve linemen that Dio gets the most snaps of any reserve. Okay. That's fair. I was about to say, it's not hard for him to outsnap Ben. Just do this versatility. But outsnapping Taekwondo will be saying something, I think. If you haven't heard already, it's smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escaped for complete smoothness. That's right. This is the summer to keep your package cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leader in below-the-belt grooming is making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pant partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive head first into Smooth Sack Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code BSTABLE20. And our buddy Rashad is a huge, huge fan of Manscaped. Buddy, talk to us about what Manscaped has done for you and what are your, some of your favorite products, Moneybags? Manscaped. You know, I'm picky. I picky with the stuff I wear, the stuff I put on my body. I like to smell good, though, definitely. And I don't know if most people know, but my nine to five, I'm a, I'm a mailman. I'm a mail carrier. I've been doing it for the last 10 years or so. And when I need to stay hydrated, I use Hydrating Body Spray by Manscaped. This stuff works awesome. I, I haven't used it until maybe about two or three months ago, and it started working really well. And once I used the deodorant that they, they sent me, that works really well as a combination. It keeps my body hydrated, not just with sweat, but smelling good throughout the sweat. So for a full day's work, I use the hydrating body spray. I use the Manscaped deodorant. And these two products work awesome together. I suggest anybody to go on manscaped.com and use the code BLUESTABLE to get 20% off. There we go. let Y'all are not going to uh, hate that you got those products. Make sure you head over to manscaped.com. All right, guys. Now, continuing this, Destin, head up. All right. We got cornerback. <laughs> we got cornerbacks to talk about, buddy. Okay. And this is an interesting one because this is one that people want to talk and, and hear about a, a little bit more because they it features a guy, Stefan Gilly, you know. Uh, Rashad, what, what's the nickname that you use for him? Oh, Gilly Lock. I Gilly, Gilly Lock, Lock on any block. Yeah. Repeat that. I Gilly Lock on any block. Well, there's you. There, there's the title for this video. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, Destin, talk to us about the corner spot. What, what were you seeing? What, what was the first team uh, corner position? What was that looking like with the corner two? And then the second team, who was getting the second team uh, reps at that position? Yeah, so Saturday was a little interesting um, just because of Gilmore missing a portion of it uh, after going down a little bit, but ended up going back in. They've been putting Gilmore on Pierce in 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 situations. Um, Mostly, I think that's just because, again, we said earlier, Pittman doesn't really have to prove anything right now. So I think they're just putting their best corner on Pierce right now just to kind of see what the rookie shows in camp. Uh, it's a fun variety they've been throwing in there. The most interesting part so far, though, has been the other starter co- starting corner uh, other than Gilmore and Moore. So far, first team rep-wise has gone to Brandon 
and face on um, a guy who's been with Gus Bradley in multiple spots and the, the chargers just last year with the Raiders. Um, so th- there is some familiarity there into this system and Isaiah Rogers has still looked impressive in camp. So I think there's still time for a battle to be there. And I think it'll probably be a little bit of a committee approach to keep everybody fresh the fact that they're going to have four corners that they're going to like and trust is a positive from what we've seen in the past at the corner spot. So that that's the biggest takeaway for the corners for me is I think the team really likes Gilmore, Kenny Moore, Faison, and Rogers. Um, I think those four are going to be the ones that are rotating in and out, playing a little inside outside. I think they like that just about all those guys have experience playing on both the inside and outside. Um, so it's going to be interesting, man. I think the biggest one as well is just how aggressive this defense is going to be in the coverage aspect of it and the defensive line aspect. Both of them are going to be a more aggressive version of that heavy zone system we've seen over the past few years. So everyone keeps saying how similar the schemes are and that we went the same route and that, that Ballard didn't go out on a limb and get a guy that's going to change the culture. But you can see it in practice already, man. The coverages are way more pressing at the line of scrimmage at a heavy rate, zone on the back end. So just adding that press element of it changes a lot because the press even worked a little bit last year in Fluce's scheme. The problem is he would just go away from it too often. Um, so you would see what would work, and he would just go back to the heavy zone, all-out zone and off the line of scrimmage and I don't, I don't want to see my corners 15 yards off the line of scrimmage from the jump ever again e- ever again guys I, I, I don't I, I absolutely love what, what I'm hearing I mean I'm hearing football on the defensive side I'm hearing that again like whoo man that, that that feels good but that's second team your corners five and six obviously need to pl- play a huge special teams role. Right now, five and six, who would you go? Man, that's like impossible right now. I think they're really trying to – because a lot of these DBs, they're rolling in at safety and corner right now just to kind of see who they're going to go where. I don't know if I could give you a guess at five and six at this point right now, man. It's just so hard of who's going to play safety. Like, is Rodney Thomas going to be a safety or a corner? They're, they have him playing both in camp. He's listed as a DB on the site. Well, and I think that's what they're, they're, that's what they're treating a lot of these guys at, though. Um, Dabo, Dabo, the corner um, the Dabo. exchange program in Germany. He's been playing mostly safety. They've had him line up in the corner spot a few times. Um, it's an interesting situation at the corner. I, I mentioned those four up top because – those are going to be the four that I think are playing the heavy minutes. And if the others behind them have to play much, something has gone wrong probably um, to be honest with you in this year, at least Um, I I think it's going to come down to the versatility of it. I think they're going to want the reserve DBs to be guys that can play both. I think that's what they're showing us. They want these five and six corners to be able to slide into safety if they need to, especially in these three safety sets that we're going to see. So having guys that can rotate in between safety, between corner, between nickel corner, outside corner, I think versatility is going to decide those extra spots. I really do. I don't know why hearing that made me think of Darius Butler and TJ Green. I don't know why when you said why that. Why the heck that, are we talking about TJ Green? I have I'm no idea. They shouldn't be in the same. That's not sentence. the same. Yeah, Darius. When, when he was this, when he Darius was discussing corners going to safety. Right. I Darius just immediately Butler is a thought, friend of the show, Mike. Okay? We, I, I know for I, a fact I, that he's listened before and he's came on before. He is a friend of the Blue Stable, and you just put that man in the same category as TJ Green. I'm sorry, Darius, if you're watching this one by <laughs> I, chance. I apologize, man. I don't know what Mike's talking about right now. Right. Because, anyways, <laughs> but Rashad, real quick before we move on to the tight ends, when it comes to the corners, when it, obviously we know where Kenny is going to be, but for Stefan and namely Brandon Faison, because right now that's what Destin said, looks like is getting most of the snaps uh, on the first team. When it comes to that duo, that tandem on the outside, excluding Kenny on the outside, that type of tandem against the wide receivers you're going to play this year, how do you think those guys hold up? And with Faison, he's been with Bradley for a while now. He knows the system. He knows the scheme. That should help him, obviously. but 
How do you feel this tandem will do this season in this defense? Well, I like the I like that tandem. First of all, uh, we can pretty much exclude Stephon Gilmore from this conversation. We all know what Stephon Gilmore can do. Uh, I watched a couple of games from him last season. He still is as technically sound and as fundamentally great as he's always been. Uh, it's hard for me to see that he's lost a step. I, I don't think he's lost a step at all. He played just as well as he has been playing. Um, so I'll speak more about Brandon Faison. Uh, This is a guy that Gus Bradley trusts. So it's not surprising to me that he got the nod over Isaiah Rogers. I know we've been watching Isaiah Rogers for the last two years and watching him take steps and, and grow as a player. And I think he has upside as, as a boundary corner. But you're going to go with the guy that you trust. And for the last three stops that Gus Bradley has had, Brandon Faison has been right there. From three years with the Chargers to one year in Vegas to now with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, a six foot two, bigger corner, total opposite the way he wins than Isaiah Rodgers. Brandon Faison is a bigger corner. He likes to play press. We know that's what Gus Bradley wants to do. He likes to get his hands on you. He's a very long corner. He wins with his length. And I think that's his strongest attribute. And in this system, this zone-heavy system, you need length. Size, it, it matters at the cornerback position. So uh, I understand that people may be concerned that Brandon's getting reps over Isaiah, but uh, trust me, it, it, Brandon's a solid, solid player. I, I think his size and what he can do when the ball's in the air, I think will be the difference and why we're not looking the way we looked last year when Xavier Rose was out there pretty much playing injured and, and we saw a drop-off in his play, like a steep drop-off. He went from being a, 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 Pro, Bowl, a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback his first year here, and, and he looked terrible on the outside last year. I think Brandon Faishans is an upgrade from that, and that's our number two corner. No need to even speak on what Stephon Gilmore is going to do because he looks like he's in regular season form already. See, and you might have some people who might nitpick about the corners. Well, oh, I saw Isaiah Rogers do this over Faison. I mean, Faison got dusted by Michael Pittman earlier today in camp, but Isaiah Rogers also got mossed, beat by Alec Pierce, a rookie. So again, it just you just got to figure out over time. And then when you get to the season, it's a different ball game. And whether if it's Faison or Rogers, I feel comfortable with who's there. Again, you know. I know we had some, well, I, for one, had some worries about who the number two would be. But, hey, we're here now. Rodgers looks good. Faceon looks good, like he's holding his own again. So, all is well on that front, okay? Now, the last part that we're going to get into are the tight ends because this is like a kind of a crucial element in this offense. You know, you got to be able to block. You got to be able to pass catch. We, we, we're, we're kind of limited in the pass catching uh, element here, but Destin, let, let, let me get with you on this one. All right, man. Cause you know how I feel about tight end in this scheme. You know that, that I love, and I think it's one of the most important positions in this scheme, a top three, or maybe a top four in this scheme. Give me the goods. Come on. Get, give me, what are you feeling? Whether if it's positive, negative, what's it looking like at the tight end position from what you saw? Um, the tight end room, the thing I'll say is the versatility is just different than years past. I think Granson looks improved. Um, I think in Saturday's practice, he showed a little bit of that run after catch ability. And the cool thing that's going to be about Granson, I love the upside, obviously, of Jelani Woods, Drew Ogletree, Molly Cox, these giants in the room. But the thing that Granson's going to have is that different skill set than the others are going to bring. Granson's going to get on the field, in my opinion, because of that because he's going to offer something that the others just don't, whether I mean, he's smaller, um, he's going to be on the smaller end for the tight end, throw it back to the Trey Burton type of tight end that Frank Reich's worked with at Indianapolis and in Philadelphia. Um, I think Granson's going to get snaps. I do think the interesting part's going to be in the element of certain guys are going to be on the field for obvious rundowns, obviously. I think Mo Ali Cox is a definite lock at that tight end one spot so far in camp. Um, everyone is raving so far and heard multiple people mention it is that Mo Ali Cox picked up, picks up the offense like it's nothing. Um, Matt Ryan has gotten here. They've changed some things to fit Matt Ryan. Jelani Woods in the interview we had with him post-practice mentioned that having Mo Ali Cox in the room is like having a quarterback in the tight end room. 
that he's that smart. Um, so I think Molly Cox is going to lock down that tight end one spot. I don't know if there's going to be a tight end two lock. Um, I think Granson and Woods are going to get sprinkled in here and there. I think they just have very different roles. Um, I think Woods is obviously going to be your red zone guy and that if there is a two tight end set in the red zone, whereas I think Granson, I could see him being used in early down situations that are pass um, for the first and second down throws, run after catch ability, just a very different element that he adds to this offense that we know for a fact that Frank Reich's like to use in the past. Rashad, when it comes to the tight ends, and obviously we know with Molly Cox, he's going to be the tight end one. But for tight end two, whether if it's Ogletree, whether if it's Woods, whether if it's Granson, what do you look at? What would you think is more important in that tight end two? Which trait, whether if it's whether if it's pass catching, whether if it's blocking, if you're looking at that tight end two, which trait do you think is more important for that second guy to have to be able to be that? tight end two who's obviously going to get the second most snaps and get a lot of two tight end looks all right if i if i was thinking it out as far as how about i replace it as far as last year goes i would slide mo Cox into the jack door role and i would put i would probably go with colin granson just because he gives me something different out there you know he gives me a guy that has size as far as being bigger than a wide receiver but he also gives me the route running that Mo Alley Cox just can't give me, the yak opportunities that Mo Alley Cox just doesn't give me. Uh, he has a built-in role in his offense already. Uh, see Trey Burton from a couple of years ago. You know, Frank loves those type of tight ends. It's kind of the move tight end. You know, a guy that, that's going to do all the short and intermediate stuff that Jack did, but with more explosiveness. Now, what I the disadvantage to that is when you're in two tight end sets, and one of those tight ends is Granson, you're kind of tipping your hand that you're most likely going to throw the ball in that situation. So if you're looking for a way to disguise some of, some of what you're trying to do, then you put a bigger guy in there, you put a Jelani Woods in there, that, that's going to be a more effective blocker. And when they see two tight ends, they automatically think, you know, it, it's more of a run personnel, but you can still make big plays because Jelani gives you the opportunity to. But if I had to pick one, I will go with Granson. Just being a year into the system, he kind of has it figured out a little bit more than those other two guys. But those other two guys have just as much, if not more, upside than Granson has. Mo Ali Cox, is he an improved pass catcher? Destin. Is he an improved pass? I mean, he's looked pretty good in camp. I, I didn't see a drop from Mo Ali Cox on Saturday. In my opinion. Really? I didn't see a drop from Mo Ali Cox on Saturday. I mean, the route, the rep where I, I know for a fact the ball was thrown his way and a catch wasn't made was on him and Gilmore's collision where he ended up in the injury tent afterwards. Um, there wasn't a catch on that line. It was a pass to the sideline type, um, and they just kind of collided as they were going for the ball there. Probably what should have been a throw Matt Ryan made, to be honest. But um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's training camp um, so far. I mean, how I don't know if we can fully di digest that. I think Moali Cox got paid, wants to be the leader in this room for what all the young guys have said, what we're hearing from everybody. I think Moali Cox is enjoying the role that he's going to have this year. And I think the quarterback play is going to match Moali Cox's skill set better than last year. So I think Moali Cox, because of those things, is a better player in 2022 than he was in 2021. Interesting, interesting. Guys, we're going to have much more training camp coverage uh, out on YouTube for you guys. Again, Destin and Luke will be out at Grand Park again. Is it this Sunday, correct? Yep, this Sunday for the noon practice, we'll be back out there at Grand Park. All right, guys. So if y'all see this dude, make sure you give him a little pinch on the cheeks there and tell him he's doing a good job. Uh, shout out Luke. He's our photographer. He's going to be out there uh, doing great work for us. We're going to be featuring some of his photos that he's taken in the newsletter as well. If you want to see them and you're only going to be able to see them one place, make sure you check out that newsletter. You have to subscribe to it, get it every Sunday. And uh, obviously the Sunday 
might be changing here pretty soon, but as of right, as of right now, get it on Sunday. Check out that gallery that we're going to have exclusive for you guys on uh, the Blue Stable newsletter. Other than that, any closing remarks, guys, uh, going into the week? We'll, we'll be back here next week. Any other closing remarks? Nah, man, just stay tuned, man. Like I said, I got a State of the Coast address article coming this week. Uh, y'all make sure y'all check that out. The offensive edition to drop first. Then the defensive edition will drop shortly after. Y'all stay tuned. And other than that, man, we'll, we'll I'll keep you guys updated on the Odell situation. I'm sure Destin will do the same. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. Everything yeah. goes good. He hey, shows we'll- up. We'll see what happens on Odell Watch. Um, I'm pumped to be back at practice on Sunday, like Michael said. Uh, make sure you guys are following me on Twitter, which is over here on the left on the border on YouTube. Um, and if you're listening to podcast, go 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 watch the YouTube and follow me on Twitter, guys. Gosh. Um, but make sure that's going on. Make sure you subscribe to my tweets if you want to see the live tweets from practice from my handle. Make sure you're subscribed to the Blue Stables post. Um, we're going to have somebody in the stands ready to provide content from the stands as well. Um, super pumped for the content to come from there. And make sure you guys are following Luke Verkamp on Twitter for all the amazing pictures that he's bringing out of training camp. Um, super, I'm just super pumped for the extra content that you guys are going to get for these few training camp practices that we're going to be out there for. And remember, guys, if you haven't already checked out the, you know, the media availability for Bobby Okereke, Frank Reich, Isaiah Rogers, Jelani Woods, Michael Pittman, go to our YouTube right now. And those videos, those are up already. It's in a playlist. You could just watch one right after another. Make sure you watch them already. And again, make sure our jersey giveaway has not started yet because we are not at we are not at 1000 subscribers yet we need your help to get us there get us to 1k and we are going to start a jersey giveaway for you guys so again he is Destin Adams he is Rashad McGinnis I am Michael Pivio we are the Blue Stable we'll see you next week everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.